Would you open God's precious holy word to Leviticus 16? The Lord's people being presented to Yahweh. It's a beautiful passage of scripture. Of course, it's about the Day of Atonement in Leviticus 16. It teaches us as much as anything about the grace of God. He didn't have to do this, but these are his people. His people must be presented to him sinless and he is to them God who forgives. So it is a, a, a beautiful thing, a gracious thing to know that Yahweh makes provisions for his people. To fully appreciate this as Christians, we, and I didn't, it would, <laughs> we would be here for weeks and weeks just on this, but the parallel to this in the New Testament is in Hebrews uh, chapters, I would say seven through 10. Um, and it talks about the priest who is our priest, the Lord Christ, our high priest, and how what is done here in this chapter of Leviticus is done by the Lord Christ in our behalf. So this is the, the shadow of the reality in, uh, in the book of Leviticus. So as we look at it, we should have in the back of our mind, in the front of our minds, uh, the Lord Christ and what he has done for us. We start here, verses one and two. And Yahweh spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons when they drew near before Yahweh and they died. Let's put this in perspective. This whole thing. Now we've been in Leviticus for a while. And it, it, it shows to us our, our, the, the need of God's people to be cleansed and purified. And in that purified state, thus to present themselves in worship to Yahweh. It details the way God sees our needs as sin offering, guilt offering, trespass offering, burnt offering, so forth. All of these and peace offering. These are, these are the ways that God sees that we need restoration, we need redemption. We need provision. It's a better word, I guess. All of this is happening. Now, we were in Exodus way back. And in Exodus, the people were at the foot of the mountain. Moses went up to the mountaintop. We're still there, actually, where we were in Exodus. All of this is taking place as Moses receives the law. So it's to be understood that this this whole time is, a, uh, is an instruction for the people. They never knew this kind of thing before. They need to know that Yahweh their God, our God, 
provides for us in every way. He provides physically and spiritually. So the details here are given and the instruction through Moses is transmitted to the people of how Yahweh looks at every meticulous, even, even he provides everything, even, and we've seen this, even their, even their clothing and, and their houses, the details of how to be sure that they are pure and clean before Yahweh as they present themselves as his people to him in their worship. So from that perspective, it wasn't that long ago, although it's been several chapters earlier, it wasn't that long ago that the two sons of Aaron offered the strange fire on the altar. Now, that would have made the priesthood afraid. The priesthood needs to be confident because they have a vital role to play in Old Testament worship. They are designated by God to stand between Yahweh and the worshiper. They are important to this, uh, to this paradigm of worship. So details of the priesthood, of course, have been given. How, what they're, how they're to cleanse themselves, they're not perfect, and how they're to dress and so forth. This carries on here, but Yahweh wants to be sure that the priesthood is comforted. As I said, they are important in this role of worship. There's Yahweh, worshiper, and there's the priest who helps them understand their worship. The sacrifice, the sin, provision that God has made so that the sacrifice can be made, atonement can be provided, all of these things. Now, how would you feel if you're Aaron and Yahweh is about to give instructions on how the high priest can go into the Holy of Holies? You're going to have to walk past, past the altar where the strange fire was, was offered. And it's a frightening thing. So graciously, Yahweh provides this instruction. Yahweh spoke to Moses after the death of Aaron's two sons when they drew near before Yahweh and they died. And Yahweh said to Moses, speak to your brother Aaron, that he should not come at all times into the holy or the holy place within the dividing curtain in front of the cover that's upon the ark so that he should not die, for I appear over the ark cover in a cloud. I don't expect him to come in here all the time, that's what Yahweh says. As a matter of fact, he shouldn't come in here all the time. But this will be simplified so that Aaron can, can be personally prepared, ritualistically and spiritually prepared by the way that Yahweh is going to give instructions and he shouldn't be afraid because this is his work to do what I'm about to designate and to instruct. So tell him he only has to, he doesn't have to come in the holy place all the time, the holy of holies, past the, past the big curtain. 
He doesn't have, that's where I am. He doesn't have to come in there as the instruction will say, but once a year. So he has, he has all year to think about what he's going to do to, to study this portion of the word of God and to know how he can be completely and thoroughly prepared for the task that only he could perform because he is the high priest. Okay, so this is, this is the grace of God at work in the lives of his people in general and in particular in the life of Aaron. So now the Lord will designate the work of the priest. He will begin to designate. With this, with this shall Aaron enter the holy, the holy of holies. With a young bull for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. He shall wear a holy linen shirt and linen pants. Now these would be those, that part of his, those parts of his clothing that would have been sanctified for the purpose of him wearing it. These are the undergarments. Now the, the clothing of the high priest, of course, would also include that elaborate robe, the things that hang off of the robe, the, the breastplate that he would have, and of course the turban that he is supposed to wear, and the brilliant, beautiful sash that goes around it. But he is not supposed to wear that when he comes into the Holy of Holies. Here's why. The undergarments, the linen pants and the linen shirt, these, these indicate the most secret sins that can be committed. The Lord sees them. Now the, 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 the outer robe in the sense of the day of atonement would represent what people see. So in the sense of the day of atonement, for the priest to go in, the Lord doesn't need to see all of that outer stuff, but only the Lord can see the inner stuff, the thoughts, the, the secret things that have been done that, uh, that nobody else but Yahweh can see. So this is how the high priest is to go into the Holy of Holies. He girds himself with a linen sash, having put on the holy linen shirt and linen pants, and then wears the linen cap. These are holy garments, and therefore he shall immerse himself in water and put them on. So he, he ritualistically cleanses himself, and then he puts on the inner garments. When the Lord forgives sin, when he, when he forgives the, the sins of the people and he makes atonement for his people, he cleanses us of all of our sins, not just the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen by everybody else except for Yahweh. The, the thoughts that we can have, the, the actions that might have been performed that no one else has seen. He cleanses his people of all of that. And this is why, this is why the high priest would, would that's why there's a des designation here for the undergarments of the high priest. 
Now we, we read in the book of Hebrews that, that the high priest was a sinner and he needed to be cleansed before he could stand in behalf of the congregation of Israel. Now the book of Hebrews says, however, our great high priest is without sin and this is not needed in behalf of our great high priest. This is something that is done year after year after year after year. And then the, the goat, the goats and the ram and all the, it's year after year after year until Christ is not needed anymore. It's not required anymore. So here we go. The priest's offering of sacrifices from the community of the children of Israel. He shall take two he goats as a sin offering. And one ram is a burnt offering and Aaron shall bring his sin offering bull and initiate atonement for himself and for his household. Now, the word atonement, it's a, it's a word that means to cover, to shield, to cover. So the Lord provides that which covers and it and it in in the classical sense it speaks of shielding someone so that he will not suffer the wrath of the king here we are covered this is atonement we are covered so that we would not suffer the wrath of god initiate atonement for himself and for his household he's not perfect his household is not perfect. So there has to be a designated and appointed way and time for him to take care of himself and his household. Now, and he shall take two he goats and place them before Yahweh at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And Aaron shall place lots upon the two he goats, one lot for Yahweh that, that says, one lot would be titled for Yahweh. The other lot has a title on it that says for Azazel. La Azazel. Now, maybe, maybe, your, maybe your translation says scapegoat or something like that. Um, but the literal Hebrew is La Azazel, which is for Azazel. It gives Azazel as a, as a proper noun. It's the name. It has to be the name either of a place or a person. There have been countless and endless debates beginning with the rabbis in the pre-Christian era, continuing into the Christian era with Christian scholars and Old Testament scholars Declaring what they believe Azazel is. Well, the best thing to do is just to go with the language and see what it means. Once we see what it means, then we put it into the context of what's happening. And as Christians, we place that against the work of Christ and we get an understanding, I think, of what it means. There, there are those, especially in the Hebrew world, the, the, the Jews. Many of them think that Azazel is the name of a fallen angel, for example. Some think that it's another name for Satan. But you and I are going to look at it just in the language. We're not going to pretend 
to know something that we're not told in the Bible. So we'll just keep it with the word, okay? Now, here's the, here's the point from this, at this juncture. Two he goats. One of them is going to be designated for Yahweh. It's going to be a sin offering. The other one is going to be designated for Azazel. So they'll cast the lots and decide which one will be offered as a sin offering and which one will be taken far, far away. We call it the scapegoat. Now, I changed to my laptop and my laptop gives me a different looking slide. And Aaron shall bring the he goat upon which the lot for Yahweh came up, designated as a sin offering. That's going to be killed. Its blood is going to be spilled. This will be the life of flesh in the sense of a substitute. And it will be a sin offering and it's going to be a sin offering for, the, for all the people. And the he goat upon which the lot for Azazel came up shall be placed while still alive before Yahweh to initiate atonement upon it and to send it away to Azazel into the desert. Now, let's take the context. And this is what I understand. This is how I see the meaning of Azazel. Our Lord Christ The lamb slain from before the foundation of the world takes upon himself the sins of his own and dies as our substitute. On the cross, he is the sin offering. His blood is spilled and he is the sin offering. Now, you ever wondered well, this is, you know, Christ died for me before I was ever born. Before I ever was in the human race physically as part of the fallen race and then all of my sins and countless sin upon sin in my life. What happens there? The meaning of the Hebrew word Azazel means desolate of God or rugged of God. Now it speaks of the deepest, worst, most awful looking place in the desert. So the man designated to take Azazel, the scapegoat, would take it a long way off. And symbolically at least, what it was could never be seen again. Never. I believe what we are taught that at the crucifixion, now, this is the gospel according to Charles, but I take it from the language and the context of the language because it says literally to send it away to Azazel into the desert. 
So the one carrying it away would find the place of deepest desolation where apparently nothing lives. And he would take this goat to Azazel. The sin offering is made that is satisfying to Yahweh and the sins are carried away into the desolate place of God. Somehow, in, in my view, there is a realm into which only Christ could go and only in the time of, of crucifixion in a spiritual sense. So Christ is the sin offering and the work of Christ and all of the sins of his own that he carries away is that which only Christ can do. Somehow, and I don't know how, but somehow Christ, when forsaken by the Father, is carrying this load of sin into the place where only he could go. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the scapegoat. Christ on the cross is a sin offering. The forsaken Christ is in the place of desolation. Only Christ could go there and only once in his crucifixion. He won't do that again. He did it for me then. He did it for you if you are in Christ and he won't have to do it again. So the beautiful picture is that the, the sins of the people, my sins, in the New Testament regard with, with Christ providing all of this for me, the sins have been removed from everything into a place known only to God, never to be visited, never to be thought of, never to be regarded ever. This is what God has done in Christ with my sins. This is what the scapegoat did for the people. So the lot that came up for Azazel is taken alive and carried away into a place where no one would ever want to go. And that's where God places the sins of his people. Now it was something that happened all the time every year until Christ and Christ, once and for all, has done this for his people. So now let's consider Aaron's sacrifice of the bull for himself. Aaron shall bring his sin offering, bull, 
shall initiate atonement for himself or his household. He shall then slaughter his sin offering bull and he shall take a pan full of burning coals from the altar uh, from before Yahweh and both hands full of fine incense and bring it within the dividing curtain. This will be acceptable and ultimately will be, it will be his deodorant. <laughs> he won't be stinky anymore. And he shall place the incense upon the fire before Yahweh so that the cloud of the incense shall envelop the ark covered that is over the tablets of testimony so that he shall not die. See, all of the, the, the law is satisfied. The law is satisfied. God accepts it. This is for the priest. And he shall take some of the bull's blood and sprinkle it with his index finger on top of the ark cover. And on the eastern side and before the ark cover, he shall sprinkle seven times from the blood with his index finger. He is completely covered in his sins. The sins of the body, the sins of the mind, every, every aspect of sin, there is nothing hidden. It is all sprinkled over and taken care of by the priest for himself. Then there's the extension of the cleansing for the people. He shall then slaughter the he go to the people's sin offering and bring its blood within the dividing curtain. He go to the Holy of Holies. He shall do it with its blood as he had done with the bull's blood and he shall sprinkle it upon the ark cover and before the ark cover and he shall effect atonement upon the Holy of Holies from the defilements, it literally just says holy, but the holy of holies, from the defilements of the children of Israel and from their rebellions and all their unintentional sins. He shall do likewise to the tent of meeting, which dwells with them amidst their defilements. And no man shall be in the tent of meeting when he comes to effect atonement in the holy until he comes out. And he shall effect atonement for himself, for his household, and for all the congregation of Israel. And he shall then go out to the altar that is before Yahweh and effect atonement upon it. And he shall take some of the bull's blood and some of the he goat's blood and place it on the horns of the altar around. He shall sprinkle some of the blood upon it with his index finger seven times. He shall cleanse it and sanctify it of the defilements of the children of Israel. Wherever they've been in worship, whatever they may have done, the things they may have thought when they were inside where the brazen altar was, everything, there's nothing left out. Not a single thing is left out when it comes to the cleansing of the sins of God. This is the provision of God. God knows it all. So on the day of atonement, everything is covered. Every sin is taken care of. There's nothing left out. Not of the, not of the mind and not of the body, not of the soul. Everything is taken care of. Thus, thus the blood is sprinkled seven times. And that's not just upon, that's not just upon the people themselves, but even the place where they may go in a time of worship. Nothing is left out. All of the sin, wherever, all of the sin is forgiven. So God has made great provision. He shall finish the effecting atonement for the Holy of Holies, the tent of meeting, the altar, and he shall bring the live he goat. Aaron shall lean both of his hands forcefully 
upon the live he goat's head and confess upon it all the willful transgressions of the children of Israel, all of their rebellions, all of their unintentional sins, and he shall place them on the he goat's head and send it off to the desert with a timely man. A certain man chosen and designated for this particular task. The he goat shall thus cover, carry upon itself all their sins, all their sins to a precipitous land and he shall send off the he goat into the desert. He will go to the place where nobody else will go and it looks like a place where nobody's been and nobody would want to go. He releases the goat, but not just that, he drives it as far as he can and it goes further than where he wants to go. This is the land of the desolation of God, Azazel, La Azazel. The, the desolate place of God. This is where God puts, his, puts the sins of his people completely and absolutely away. There is nothing else there. So desolate. There is nothing else there but the sins of his people completely, absolutely driven away into a place where only our Christ could go and then only once. Not once every year in the case of Christ, but only once. And that was on the cross. Nobody else could do that. Only the unique virgin-born Christ of God, God-man, the only begotten. No one else could do it. Christ comes born of the virgin. He's headed to the cross because in his ministry, he is fully aware. He is the only one who can be offered as a sin offering. And in the forsaking of the father, carry our sins into the desolate place. Well, this is what is represented here in this portion of Leviticus. So God confirms his acceptance of this presentation. And Aaron shall enter the tent of meeting, remove the linen garments he had worn when he came into the Holy of Holies, and there he shall store them away. And he shall immerse his flesh in a holy place and don his garments. He shall then go out and sacrifice his burnt offering. Now this is, okay, sins are taken care of, but now the burnt offering means I'm totally committed. This is like rededicate. This is like dedication again. I'm clean. I'm cleansed. My sins are so far away. Nobody but God knows where they are. And so now, once again, I would recommit myself to the work and to, to God himself. This is the burnt offering. So uh, it says... He sacrifices his burnt offering and the people's burnt offering, same with the people, and he shall effect atonement for himself and for the people. So they're covered. The covering. Shielded from the wrath of God. Sins taken away to the desert place known only of God. And he shall cause the fat of the sin offering to go up in smoke upon the altar and the person who sent off the he goat to Azazel shall immerse him his garments and immerse his flesh in water 
And after this, he may come into the camp. And the sin offering bull and the he goat of the sin offering, both of whose blood was uh, brought to effect atonement in the Holy of Holies, he shall take outside the camp and they shall burn in fire their hides, their flesh, and their waste. It's done away with. And the person who burns them shall immerse his garments and immerse his flesh in water. And after this, he may come into the camp. Totally, totally done away with. So here's the final conclusion in this chapter regarding the Day of Atonement. And all this shall be as an eternal statute for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and you shall not do any work, neither the native nor the stranger who dwells among you. For on this day, he shall effect atonement for you to cleanse you. Before Yahweh, you shall be cleansed from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of rest for you and you shall afflict yourselves. It is an eternal statute. And the priest who is anointed or who is invested to serve in his father's stead shall effect this atonement and he shall don the linen garments, the holy garments, and he shall effect atonement upon the holy of holies and he shall effect atonement upon the tent of meeting and upon the altar and he shall effect atonement upon the priests and upon all the people of the congregation and all of this shall be as an eternal statute for you to effect atonement upon the children of Israel for all their sins once each year. And he did as Yahweh had commanded Moses. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful thing. What God does for his people allows us to present ourselves before him and make provisions so that everything is taken away. It's covered. It's done for. And it's done for in Christ. So if we're in Christ, we're hidden in Christ. We're shielded from the wrath of God in Christ. We're completely forgiven in Christ. And through Christ, all of my sins have been taken away to the desolate place that only Christ could have carried my sin and only Christ only once. That was at the crucifixion. Let's pray together and we'll be through. Father God in heaven, Lord, we are humbled and thankful for the provision that you have made for your people. Strengthen us with this truth and bless us and help us to tell others about Christ and how man can be reconciled with God. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.